I've been quoted by a couple of news groups out there as saying, you know, playtime is over at the edge and in the IoT space. Hi, and welcome to Tech News This Week. I'm your host, Anton Gonsalves, uh, News Director for uh, Tech Target. On today's show, we have IoTech Systems Chief Technology Officer, Jim White. Uh, he'll talk to us about how he sees his customers using edge computing. We have Tech Target reporter, Esther Zhao, who will discuss the latest developments in AI, and it's been a busy week. And uh, reporter, Eric Avedon will talk to us about the latest version of the Tableau and analytics software owned by uh, Salesforce. So first up is IOTech. Based in the United Kingdom, the company develops software that connects industrial gear to edge computing application. Uh, the, custom, uh, the company's customers include building automation supplier, Johnson Controls, uh, other customers are in manufacturing, renewable energy, uh, transportation, and retail. So here to discuss the state of edge computing in those industries uh, is IoT, uh, IOTech Chef, uh, Chief Technology Officer Jim White. Okay, so edge computing, that uh, is, seems to be a trend, uh, and particularly the use of edge and the cloud. Uh, I realize that in many, many companies in the industries your company serves uh, are kind of in the planning stage. Well, I, what are you seeing out there in the evolution of edge and hybrid edge? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I like to say that there's been an evolution from what I call kind of the lift, shift and sift mentality to putting more down at the edge. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, things like, uh, depending on the use case, things like latency and availability of compute resources um, and ultimately cost are, are driving more companies to think about things uh, moving a little bit closer to the edge in, in many circumstances. A lot of reasons for that, as I mentioned, you wouldn't want to fire your airbag from the cloud, for example. Uh, but then there's so much more you can really do at the edge where you don't have to do that lift, shift, and sift uh, by moving everything to the cloud. And, and latency is just one of those types of concerns. So we're seeing a lot of companies in their evolution and their pilots and their proof of concepts really starting to try to take advantage of whatever resources available. And, and um, a lot of that means moving things down closer to where the data is actually or, originating. Yeah, well, what are the what are the use cases? Uh, what are they looking to accomplish with, uh, with this technology? Yeah, great question. Uh, we're seeing a range of use cases. Um, when we started IoTech, we really thought and anticipated that a lot of our, our products are going to be used more in industrial settings and in industrial uh, IoT type of environments. Um, okay. Indeed, groups like Johnson Control, uh, Schneider Electric, paid a lot of our, our bills and we're thankful for them and they're still customers today. But now we're seeing um, a wider variety uh, of, of use cases and a wider variety of companies coming to us. Um, things like um, aquaponics and monitoring uh, grow beds, uh, retail point of sale theft detection, um, getting into uh, battery management and monitoring those battery fields out there. So a wide variety of use cases, and that's really what's making this industry exciting for us is this kind of explosion of groups participating as well as the types of problems they're trying to solve. So you're seeing uh, IoT grabbing data from devices and doing analytics on it, but you're seeing it outside of manufacturing, it sounds like. 
Yeah, absolutely. Everything from uh, uh, what we call sensor fusion, which is bringing traditional sensors and devices, temperature, heat, uh, uh, humidity, you know, bringing that kind of data in, but at the same time, fusing that with things like visual inference. Uh, think about a point of sale on a camera over the top of your point of sale. Yeah, you got the barcode reader, you've got uh, the, the way scale, you've got RFID, but now put a camera on top of that and the camera sees things as well. We use the camera as just another kind of point of information, another point of light in that whole mix. Um, so a variety of use cases are, are causing a variety of sensors to be uh, brought in all at the edge to include uh, using AI and ML with things like visual inference to improve that picture of what's going on at the edge. And, and would you would you say it's accurate to describe the, the market currently in the um, uh, proof of concept uh, stage, or do you see uh, companies moving uh, beyond that? Definitely moving beyond that. Um, I, I've been quoted by a couple of news groups out there as saying, you know, playtime is over at the edge and in the IoT space. And by that, what I mean is, you know, over the last couple of years, we did a number of proof of concept and pilot projects, and we're still doing some of those. But we're seeing a lot more companies coming to us saying, hey, we want more of a solution. We want that solution at scale, and we want it today, uh, which means, uh, you know, really providing product uh, out there that's ready for prime time as opposed to trying to pull pieces and parts together and experiment. Um, companies companies are really saying, hey, we need to you know get something out there now that gives us a return on the investment and we need to do that in a way that is impactful, not just experimental. So we're seeing an evolution uh, within the last year really uh, from from more uh, playtime to more uh, real time. Okay, next up is uh, is AI. Uh, it's been it's been a busy week in the AI market. Uh, Microsoft eliminated its uh, AI ethics team uh, to reduce costs. Uh, Google brought generative AI into the business collaboration into its business collaboration suite called uh, Workspace. And uh, the top of the news was OpenAI. Uh, releasing uh, GPT-4, which is the latest version of its large language model. Uh, here to uh, help us, uh, uh, here to explain uh, what's going on here and why all this activity is uh, Tech Target reporter Esther Rizal. So let's talk about uh, GPT-4. What does uh, what does it bring to the table? What's new here? Well, one of the new things is... Uh... One thing that I noticed specifically is this ability, what they call it like a Socratic method. And so that's one of the things that caught my attention, right? Obviously, it has better performance capabilities than its previous uh, versions. But the Socratic kind of method that they're using um, allows it to kind of remember what prompts were given before. So it's not just like an answer. You know how ChatGPT is like an answer and um, you access something that answers, but it can't really remember what was there before. But with this, it's like you kind of have this stages where it's kind of having kind of like a human conversation with you. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and also one analyst uh, pointed out to me that it has a, it kind of recognizes more languages. So it was previous versions with like more English bias. Sure. Now, are there, are there different or more use cases now for, for GPT-4? Does it open up uh, the use of this um, AI engine in other areas? Um, I, I believe so. I mean, one uh, use case that I wrote about and I was talking about is uh, 
use case for lawyers. So Case Tax uh, is the company that kind of produces a product called Code Council. So uh, Code Council is powered by GPT-4. Um, and the uh, CEO is telling me that uh, with GPT-4, they noticed like the performance was really better, but um, also it, it was it, it's working faster. Um, and so it, it worked. When I previously spoke to the CEO, he was like, well, chat GPT hasn't passed the bar exam. And now with GPT-4, it obviously passes the bar exam as well as other other academic exams. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I caught that uh, that use case. And I'm sure most people would be interested in that because last time I hired a lawyer, it was $400 an hour. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to use uh, GPT-4 in the future. Well, I'm not sure it has a use case for you. And so I think it's more to help take out the, like the mundane things that lawyers parsing through documents, right? So their co-counsel with the power of GPT-4 can parse through documents and they can ask like research questions. It can draft things for them, write things for them, but it's not like it's going to be a lawyer for you. So maybe they'll pass on the savings to us, you know? So the time we have left, let's go to uh, Microsoft's uh, eliminating its AI ethics team. Uh, uh, what's up with that? I mean, uh, you would think that Microsoft's going to put AI across its its, its uh, product portfolio. So yeah, uh, did this raise concerns among some some advocates? Uh, AI yeah, regulation. Sure. I mean, I found it interesting that the same day this news came out, Microsoft. That Microsoft eliminated its um, AI ethics thing was also the same day that OpenAI released chat, uh, GPT-4. So I found that very interesting. But a lot of people were kind of like confused because, as you know, Microsoft has been putting chat GPT into everything, Teams. Um, it's uh, basically everything. Um, and so like eliminating a whole ethics team um, kind of raised some eyebrows as to like, what are you guys doing? Um, and so one analyst was saying that he heard rumors that perhaps it's because they, they want to innovate more. They want to focus more on innovation uh, versus uh, within open AI. And someone else brought up to me the idea that perhaps they want to, I guess, put, give open AI the chance to focus on the ethics maybe. But many people were very like concerned, like, why would you do this? Especially because of the fact that that team was like six people from what I heard. So it wasn't like a bunch of team, but this was a team that was in charge of basically translating uh, the technology and trying to figure out, translating it in terms of the technology they're providing and trying to figure out how it fits in into compliance. Um, and so a lot of concerns, um, others believe that this could lead them to be more under the scrutiny. Um, it could lead to more like perhaps legal or regulation from both the state lawmakers um, as well as the uh, um, federal lawmakers. But yeah, I think Microsoft just put itself under a microscope without meaning to. Yeah, yeah, I think that the whole AI uh, industry right now is, is under the mi- microscope mm-hmm. and not just in the U.S. All right. So last is Google. Uh, you know, quickly, the time we got left, uh, generative AI in workspace. Um What's uh, what's that going to bring? Well, what's going to bring is now you don't need to type in that email or <laughs> you know in Gmail. If you need Gmail, to, if you want to write an email in Gmail, you can have uh, basically their large language model or their generative AI models write it for you. 
Um, so that's what they do, and they put it in Google Gmail, they put it in Google Docs. Um, they also have this Palm API, um, which allows um, developers to have access to their large language models and kind of experiment with it. So Google is interestingly taking a different approach than Microsoft in that Google is giving people a chance to experiment and kind of use the large language models that they have and put it into their own applications. Whereas Microsoft, as you know, is basically saying, we have the applications, we have the large language models, come use our applications. You don't need to make your own. So it's a very different approach. And I just wonder who's gonna win out in the end. All right, lastly, it's, uh, we're gonna talk about Salesforce's uh, Tableau, is data analytics um, software. You know, it's uh, it's become a critical tool for gathering forecasts, trends, predictions, and recommendations on customer data within Salesforce and other customer relationship management uh, software. Uh, this week, Tableau introduced uh, the latest version of its application, and to help us understand uh, what's important about that is Tech Target reporter Eric Avedon. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining me in the show. I appreciate My pleasure. It. Thanks for having me, Anton. Yeah, no problem. So what's new? What's new with, uh, with Tableau? Yeah, so in version 2023.1 of its platform, um, I'd say the two, the two highlight features were the availability of a tool called Data Stories, which is a data automated data storytelling tool uh, in Tableau Server. Um, Tableau offers Tableau Server for its on-premises users and then Tableau Online for its cloud customers. And it was available in Tableau Online a few months ago. Uh, so now it's available to the, uh, to the entire customer base. And then also uh, an enhanced integration with Slack. Uh, Slack obviously is also a Salesforce uh, subsidiary. Uh, both were acquired by Salesforce. And the two have a pretty tight integration where Tableau, Tableau users uh, can pull their Tableau content into Slack. So yeah, that Slack integration, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's, that's critical for, for Salesforce. And, and, and why is that? Tableau will in some way differentiate Slack from, let's say, Teams or other competitors? Is, is that? Yeah, I don't know if it has an integration with Teams. If, if you like, in, within Slack, there's a tab uh, for, for Tableau users where they can just click and get their Tableau content. It, it automatically connects them to their Tableau content while they're still within Slack. I don't believe they have that within Teams or, or any other uh, similar uh, similar collaboration platform. I see. But, 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 ta but Tableau has a very large uh, customer base outside of Salesforce. That's right. Tableau, not all Tableau users are also Salesforce uh, are customers of other Salesforce products. Uh, Tableau was acquired in 2019 by Salesforce, but remains essentially an independent department within Salesforce um, and, and has its own customers. But there is, do you find that there's uh, development that uh, there's more focused development on Slack than, let's say, using Tableau with other collaboration applications? Well, there's more, right, there's more focus on, on collaboration with Salesforce tools. Uh, so Slack, indeed, is one of them. There's, there, there are deep integrations uh, like, uh, like that, just a simple tab on, on, on your Slack screen where you can get to all your Tableau stuff. Um, uh, so that's obviously a much more seamless way to access Tableau. So if you were collaborating in Teams, let's say if your organization used Teams, you'd have to toggle back and forth between Tableau mm -hmm. and Teams. Um, whereas uh, uh, with Slack, it's right there. 
Okay, and uh, and, and last question here on um, you know Tableau provides the analytics, but uh, it's good to have the intelligence. But then you have to take that and, and uh, do something with it, right? So, uh, is tab what is Tableau doing to kind of get that bridge from uh, intelligence to action to be able to do something? Yeah, so about three months ago, in its last update of uh, 2022 it released a tool called external actions, Tableau external actions, which enables users to uh, trigger actions directly from their dashboards. So they do have the same sort of like with Slack, instead of having to leave their environment to go to another tool and take the action within that tool, they can now connect Tableau to these other workplace applications and trigger actions within those applications from their Tableau dashboard. It's something a few other vendors have done as well. Uh, Tibco has a similar tool. Um, I think Power BI has, has something called Power Automate uh, that enables uh, Power BI, which is Microsoft uh, uh, mm -hmm. users to, to trigger actions and click as well. Um, but it's, it's a relatively new development uh, within the analytics space that you don't have to do your analysis in one place and then move to another place to take action and then go back and, and, and so, you know, go back and forth. Um, and it just, it's, it's, a, it's a time saver. It's an efficiency saver. It's a brain flow and workflow. Uh, you know, it, 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 um, it, yep. it uh, synthesizes brain flow with workflow, basically. Okay. Brain flow with workflow. Okay. Well, that's an evolution we'll, uh, we'll, have, to, uh, we'll have to continue watching. All right, that wraps it up uh, for this week. Uh, thanks for watching and enjoy the weekend. And I hope to see you next week.